You're listening to Festival Grasp. A podcast diving into the business and culture of the music festival world. With your hosts, Mario. And Shanae. Welcome, everybody, to the newscast in this week's edition. Burning Man 2020, the multiverse. COVID greening the entertainment industry. Inside Coachella's 20th anniversary documentary, a drug dealing past, decades of footage, and more. Billy Cunning's label, This Ain't Bristol, shutting down after DJ's abuse allegations. But first, new study measures the economic impact of coronavirus on music festival season. And guys, it is ugly. The most affected countries by the coronavirus when it comes to festivals. Shane, can you guess? Do you know what it was? Which country? Which area? Um, I think that it would be the United States or somewhere in Europe. Yes, definitely somewhere in Europe. The Netherlands, 121 festivals. I didn't even know they had that many. The United States was next with 90. United Kingdom was after that with 86. Germany with 84. France with 80. So definitely in those large countries in Europe, they got hit quite hard. Um, overall, 750 festivals affected worldwide. This is data from Vibrates. One of the interesting things about this research uh, was that they calculated how many festivals that were in March and April and in May, how many of them postponed or canceled outright. And it was a bit half and half, uh, which is an interesting t- statistic, which meant that people were optimistic that the festival could be postponed until the later months of the year, and then in fact, uh, change their mind as we now know that nothing really will happen in 2020. The economic impact they state is at a total of 16.8 billion, ticket loss at 5.1 billion, and and 13.2 million fans, us included, that have been affected because we were not able to attend. So sad state of affairs indeed overall. I wonder if the data on the postponed festivals are festivals who've chosen to use the term postponed. Because I know there are some festivals, um, Electric Forest, for example, who's now, they didn't cancel, they postponed to 2021. So it was just a terminology, but for 2020, it was canceled. I'm curious Indeed, about that I think one of the things we can assume is that the question was, would they refund? And so it was easier not to refund potentially as a strategy to just say, oh, we'll be we'll be in October. Hold on to that money. Hold on to that ticket. And then, of course, you know, I mean, that could also be that they just didn't know. So we don't want to we don't want to jump to conclusions. But you're right. Perhaps we should dig in a little bit deeper on that. On the bright side, fans can expect several virtual festivals. But I don't know if that's the same thing. It's a great thing you mentioned virtual festivals because COVID is greening the entertainment industry. The not-for-profit organization Reverb, which pushes live music events to become more sustainable, believes that this break from live events is a great thing. It provides an opportunity to put on virtual events and become more sustainable. They're in this time urging event producers to use the time to plan a greener event when they're live post-pandemic. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Uh, the fact that this entire situation would be forcing festivals to do what they've always uh, wanted to do all along, which is to say, you know, we are for the environment, uh, we are sustainable, we have best practices, you know, we have matters out of place, uh, pickup crews, the moop, the moop crews, but we know that those things are a bit of greenwashing. And they don't always, they didn't always uphold those values. And to be forced into this is awesome, you know, not to, not to treat a pandemic as a bright side, but 
I mean, clearly it, it has forced industries to, to adapt and to look into the future and to accept that some of the things that they were there to do in the first place, now they will have to do just in order to exist. So I think that's a positive all around. Okay, next up is Burning Man, the 2020 multiverse. Shanae, I want to read you something from here because I think Burning Man is fabulous um, as being this incredible technoverse. They essentially become the world's largest exhibit for art. But one of the things that I've always been fascinated about, they love to merge the intellectual with the metaphysical and also the dreamscape. But there's this quotation here. This I've, I got this from the Burning Man Journal and it says, as the joke goes, Schrodinger's cat walks into a bar and it doesn't. The phenomenon has been well documented, but how it actually works remains a subject of wild speculation. In one interpretation, the act of observation collapses the waves of possibility in one reality and the other instantly vanish. But there's another explanation called the many worlds theory, where all possible choices continue to exist simultaneously as separate branches of reality, each one as real as the next. These parallel universes are not ghost worlds with an ephemeral existence. Within each universe, we have the appearance of solid objects and concrete events as real and as objective as any. So what will be the multiverse of Burning Man 2020? Will your reality be augmented, bifurcated, or omnidimensional? What dream worlds will you step into sideways or upside down? And who will you be when you get there? Only time will tell or has told or is telling. Now, this is from the Burning Man Journal. I absolutely love this. I'm excited because if anyone can pull off a virtual landscape, it's these guys. Absolutely. You know, Burning Man is huge on collaboration of their attendees. So it'll be a wonderful experience for all of them to get back together and see what the multiverse has to offer. There's another quote they threw in here. It says, why sometimes I believe as many as six impossible things before breakfast. And that is a quote from Alice in Wonderland, but they included it in here. I mean, they really, they really want to merge science with futurism and with what's imaginable. You know, what's actually really fascinating is that the best festivals in the world have already been exploring with this three-dimensional VR, virtual reality, augmented reality, whatever you want to call it. And I think a lot of these festivals will have an amazing leg up when it comes to what is going to be more common in terms of experiencing festivals. This digital augmentation is actually going to be, I think, for the foreseeable future, something that not only is going to have to happen, but it will become something that they end up marketing. In other news, Billy Kenny's label, This Ain't Bristol, is shutting down. So they decided they're going after the allegations against Billy Kenny, they will be stopping their operation and taking down all released products at the end of the year. They've received so much concern from fans, you know, with the unfairness of that statement, because that means any artist in that label, their releases are also being pulled and being um, no longer being produced. So the same Bristol made a statement acknowledging their fans' feelings around the effects that it has for other artists on the labels, but they stand by their decision to shut down. They said that all downloads will be available for another few months, minus anything with Billy Kenny, which was removed immediately. So if you are concerned and you still want to hear music from the artists on those labels, I advise you to download them now. Yeah, I mean, this sucks when someone's, you know, misbehavior leads to the collapse of other people's hard work. 
it's it's really sad to see, but it just goes to show not only are the women involved in these situations when it comes to to abuse from men, not only are their lives traumatized and they have to deal with these consequences, but then we we clearly see that that these actions by these men that we're talking about in this case, uh, for Billy Kenny can can also hurt the careers of other people, and it's just it's just such a shock wave, and it's coming around more and more, thankfully, because women are are being courageous and they're finally being listened to, and they're given a place of power to be able to bring bring these things up, and I think it's great because these men have to be held accountable. Listen, the story gets even crazier. He basically tries to <laughs> excuse his behavior, I guess saying like, ah, oh, mea culpa. Yeah, I was such a bad kid. I was, also, I was three years ago, you know, this was in Edmonton that this particular uh, allegation happened. And he was, uh, I guess, excusing it out of like youthful exuberance and perhaps being intoxicated and just, you know, like being a bro because men are bros every once in their life. And then he's quoted as saying his behavior was unacceptable and inconsistent with who he is today, and he can't imagine acting in those ways now. But the worst part is that he called the instance where he grabbed this woman's butt a trick. It was like a move that he made that works that to get the girl in the bedroom. He then says that he will be attending sessions at Leeds Women's Aid and Women's Lives Leeds, which is an organization in Leeds, UK, that houses and uh, creates a safe space for abused and battered women that had instances of domestic violence and they do not provide any classes for the men who caused this abuse and he didn't even have enough intelligence and honesty to look this up in the first place and just called them out so they they made this official statement um, and said Leeds Women's Aid has become aware of the sexual assault and rape allegations against Leeds based artist Billy Kenny because he's from there and in his public apology he said that he was attending sessions provided by LWA and WLL he also said that attending educational sessions and volunteering for nonprofits will not automatically root out the problem which permeates the music industry, but he wants to make a positive impact. Now they go on to say that whilst we encourage anyone to educate themselves about domestic and sexual violence and abuse, we would suggest that anyone that is or considers themselves a perpetrator approach relevant offender-led services to recognize and address their own behavior. We would ask that he refrain from using our names and our services as a way of purporting a change in his behavior. This is so shameful by this man who has so much to learn. It's shameful and it's absurd, but unfortunately, this happens a lot. What you get is performative apologies. And when you have a fan base so strong that just wants to hold hope and believe that you're a good person because they like your music or because they idolize you in certain ways, it creates this toxic environment where you now have you know, your fan base coming to victims or going on social media and saying, well, we should just forgive Billy Kenny because he apologized and he grew up. And unfortunately that 
it, it shames the victims and it prevents more victims from speaking out about their experiences because they don't think that you'll take it seriously or that you'll acknowledge that something tragic has happened and something really traumatizing has happened. So I think for listeners, just know that not every apology you see is real and it's the actions that you see after that make the apologies worth it. Absolutely. I don't think I could say it any better than that. And I just do hope that if anyone out there needs to reach out and get or speak about any instances that they've experienced that have left them traumatized, that they find the appropriate places to call and and have the courage to do so because this is really important. And again, let's just bring it back to the festivals. Billy Kenny was scheduled to play at the Shambhala at Home, which was their version of uh, the virtual experience uh, this year. And they came out with a statement that said, after careful consideration, Shambhala Music Festival has removed Billy Kenny from the Shambhala at home digital stream event. We take any allegations of assault, whether it be physical, verbal or sexual, very seriously. And we do not condone that behavior in any way. Now, I just want to point out that they then canceled the entire festival, the virtual festival. And so I think that something went even further than this and Perhaps you can speak to this, Shanae, but I believe that it was their community that was so shocked that I, we need to dig into this a little bit more to find out why they why, why they got so flat-footed. They got caught so off guard by this that they had to basically take the entire virtual festival offline. Incredible. And lastly, guys, if you want to see an incredible documentary, check out Inside Coachella's 20th anniversary documentary. The documentary tells the story of Golden Voice founder Gary Tovar, who got his start promoting punk shows in the 1980s and continued to grow the business and the scene until he was arrested in 1991 on federal drug charges related to the sale of marijuana. The company, I know, now it's legal, right? So the company (laughs) continues on without him, sometimes under a different name to avoid the affiliation and eventually developed the debut Coachella Music and Arts Festival in 1999. In a quote, Golden Voice, punk roots express themselves in being forward-thinking enough and authentic enough to not push the festival in inauthentic directions. It has maintained its ability to be reflective of what's actually happening, not what someone else wants to be happening, says Chris Perkel, the documentary's director and producer. What makes Coachella such a fun subject and what makes it unique is that it is a snapshot of popular culture on any given year because it has been able to stay completely contemporary and completely relevant over the course of the in- its entire two decades, he finishes off by saying. So outside of the obvious highlights that you'll find um, from the festival's history, Coachella 20 Years in the Desert touches on the cultural battles surrounding specific genres like EDM and hip-hop that were being sidelined by major festivals for years. I don't know what you think, but I actually love that because now the way we look at Coachella is far different than how it began and what it was throughout its 20-year history. Seeing it in a documentary is actually one of the best virtual festival experiences you can have nowadays that you can't go and live them yourself. Yeah, I think that's great. I think people don't realize how much has changed over the course of time. And it's a wonderful reminder and inspiration to to see it all together. Great. Coachella, 20 Years in the Desert is released for free on YouTube. So go check it out. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on another week's Festival Grasp. 
Make sure to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or via your chosen podcast collector, so you'll never miss us talking into your ears again. And while you're at it, if you find value in what we are discussing, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's like telling a friend about it, but better. And it gives us a chance in that big old world out there. I know we're just getting to know each other, but come on, show us some love. We're here for you. You're here for us. So let's do this thing. To sign up as an expert guest on the show, to leave us a question or message, or to jar tip your support, follow the appropriate links in the show notes. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to Deep Dives, our bi-monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. This podcast edited by GBA Recordings. For me, Mario. And Shanae. See you next time. Bye.